Father God, thank you for the time together. It's such sweet fellowship to be with your family, Lord, and to be part of your family. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips today, that my words would come from you, and that you'd anoint the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, I want to talk to you today about what time is it? Um, I thankfully have a, a watch that's working now. I have all these watches at home and all of them have um, flat batteries. So um, a regular occurrence for me is to say, oh, what time is it? Because I'm usually running late for something. And I say, time to get a watch. <laughs> yes, he does. So we say it's time to get a watch. Well, now I have a watch and um, I still am always looking to see what the time is. Uh, so what time is it? I'm going to start in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. So feel free to look in your Bibles with me this morning. Um, I don't have the scriptures on the screen for you, sorry. They're on the website. So, oh, they're on the website. The notes are on the website, so vineyardcc.org, and um, you can follow along there. Otherwise, um, who brought a Bible of some kind with them to church this morning, just out of curiosity? That's awesome. So good to have the Word. Aren't we privileged to have the Word of God? So good. All right, who's there? Who's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3? Yeah. Yes? All right, let's have a look. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. I'm entering that time to say no. <laughs> I'm having a big throwaway of things. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There's a lot of different times there, isn't there? So I want to tell you about the word used there in the Hebrew for time, which is hate. With Hebrew, you need to have a good ch, ch, ch. Yeah, it's beautifully clean in there now. Um, so, het in Hebrew has this meaning, a particular time, season, age, occasion, or some period of time or current times. For example, it's used to describe a small space of time, like the Passover season, or rainy season, harvest season. It may refer to a portion of a lifetime, the time of old age, also the time of trouble or the time of love and evil time. So it says there's a time for everything. There's a time of planting and a time of reaping. I learned last year why it's important to actually know what time it is when it comes to planting. Because I kept thinking, I must get to my little veggie patch. I must get to my veggie patch. Well, finally I got to my veggie patch. 
But I got to my planting so late in the season that by the time the plants were just looking beautiful, the frost hit them and that was the end of my veggie patch. And I didn't get to reap because I didn't realise the time. I was out of time. I didn't plant when it was time to plant and therefore I didn't reap when it was time to reap. So it's really important that we know what time it is. Super important. In fact, I need a bit more moisture in my mouth. It occurs 290 times in the scriptures. So that tells me it's important for us to recognise the time we're living in. I just want to take you to Romans chapter 13. And uh, we're going to really unpack a portion of this scripture together today. Um, it's, it's on my heart and I, I believe there's something in it for us. So if you, uh, if you have a chance, turn to Romans 13. We're going to go from verse 8 right through to verse 14. Okay. If you've got it, say got it. If you need more time, see, there's time again. Need more time, yes. <laughs> All right. Romans 13, 8 to 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there are any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk properly, properly, some versions say soberly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil its lust. Wow, what a passage, hey? So good. All right, I want you to look at verse 11. It starts off with three little words, and do this. Now, when I learned English in school, we were told we were never allowed to start a sentence with and. So when I see this, I go, all right, this is obviously connected to what was just before it, because it says, and do this. So what was it just talking about? Love your neighbour. It said, love one another. For love is the fulfilment of the law. So this loving one another as you love yourself, do this knowing the time. So there's something about knowing the time that actually causes us to love one another with almost a sense of urgency. It's, oh, I, I need to love you. I actually like how verse 8 starts, owe no one anything except 
to love one another. Now, you know when someone's done you a lot of favours and then it, it, it kind of, you feel like, oh, I owe you one. And so if they were to ask for something, you'd be like, yeah, of course, you've done so much for me. Well, this scripture is telling us that we're pretty much to view everyone as if their account is in credit with us. I owe you love. You may not be deserving of love in this very second, but you actually have a credit and I owe you love. So I'm going to give you love right now. There's a sense of urgency. Do this and do this knowing the time. What is the time? And I'm not talking about the, the hour of the day, as in this day. I'm talking about what is the lateness of the hour in which we live. And it is very late. Look what the scripture says. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, look at the urgency of these words. High time. Now our salvation is nearer than we first believed, than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. There's a very real sense of urgency in this scripture. And so he begins to exhort us because it's time to awake. There's some things that we need to do. Have you heard about the woke generation? That's what a lot of people want to claim to be. Well, I'm part of the woke generation. What does that mean? Actually, it, it's not really awake at all. It's actually like they're in darkness, deep darkness. Because apparently the more you sin and reject God's laws and his order and his way of doing things, the more woke you are. Um, however, in direct contrast to this, verse 12 tells us to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armour of light. How can we be truly awake to the things of God? What do we need to be awoken from? Our slumber of complacency. One thing I think that the whole COVID-19 situation taught us was that things can change really quickly. And our normal can become abnormal in the blink of an eye. And so we are in a time where we can't be complacent. We don't have the luxury of being complacent anymore. And we definitely need to wake up from self-absorption of just being completely about my own life, what I need, where I'm going, when I want to get there. We actually need to take a spiritual stand in this time like never before, dressed in the armour of light. It is high time to wake up, the scripture says. Let us cast off the works of darkness. And he sort of put it in three categories, lump them together. Let's look at the first one, revelry and drunkenness. Now, it seems funny, doesn't it, that Paul is writing this to a group of believers and he says, put off revelry and drunkenness? Hmm. No one here would do that. <laughs> what is revelry anyway? Revelry means merrymaking, but it actually 
comes from the French word revla, which actually means to rebel. And I think maybe a lot more of us can relate to that term than revelry. Is there a seed of rebellion lurking in our heart that needs to be dealt with? Because I know for myself, there's some areas it's really easy, or not, it, it's easier to submit to God in some areas than in others. Other areas, my flesh wants to rebel in a big way. I don't, but I shouldn't have to, but oh, I want to find this one. There's a rebel, isn't there? That, that human nature in all of us likes to rebel at times. And this is something we need to be awakened to. Oh, hang on. This needs to be dealt with. It's time to cast these things off. What area of your life have you allowed your flesh to rebel in? Have you noticed something about rebels? They're not quiet. They're vocal, aren't they? How do you know? How do you know a rebel? Well, there's usually two indications. It's usually body language is a pretty good giveaway, right? <laughs> and either their words or actions. There's some things in our life where we need to take hold of that rebellion and say, no more. No, that's it. I'm done. The next category he lumped together was lewdness and lust. If you have the unfortunate occasion of having the television on and, and having an ad come on your screen, there's a very big chance that you've just seen lewdness or lust in that ad. Um, if you turn your computer on and you're trying to Google when's the sale started Aldi and an ad pops up, you're going to see something you probably wish you hadn't seen because this is describing our generation. Only they don't call it lust, they call it love, Billy. <laughs> what is the definition of lewdness? Indecency or obscenity, vulgar sexual character or behaviour. So that's pretty in your face. And again, it's very in your face when you think this was written to the church. And I wonder, I'm just going to, I'm already out on the branch, so why don't I just jump off? But when it comes to lewdness, I've, I've got to say, right, I watched a country practice when I was a kid, right? They, things were innocent and they were wholesome and, and you could just have a family laugh. But over time, things have really gone downhill and sometimes we get desensitised because it's just everywhere. Yeah. But if we sort of thought back to what our grandparents or parents would have thought watching what is on the screen now, you can, um, I don't think they would possibly cope, would they, <laughs> with where we're at now? I mean, and it's gradual. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to, you know, give a witness in your heart there was a time I liked to watch a lot of um, crime shows and I had to realise something, that I was filling my life with fear and wondering why, when faced with the situation, I didn't have the faith I needed. 
because I'd actually been allowing something else to fill my life. Mm. It's bit by bit, it's gradual by gradual, and like maybe it's time to have a look at what we're allowing in our eye gates yeah. and ear gates. Okay, that's lewdness. Lust, I said this before, often mistaken for love in today's culture. Apparently, if you love someone, you should be allowed to be with them regardless of God's order or standard. But you see, true love is the opposite of lust. True love considers the other person above themselves. Lust, on the other hand, is entirely focused on your own needs and wants and passions. I want you. You make me feel it. I want. That is lust. Love is putting the other person before yourself. So different. So we're exhorted to walk in love, not lust. And then finally, he deals with another category, strife and envy. And perhaps this one will be the biggest challenge for most of us. This is the arena that Satan loves to work within the body of Christ. Strife, division, gossip, backbiting, offence. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> All said with a smile. You know what? This is clearly described, though, as the work of darkness. And it says we must cast this off. Yeah. It's so subtle. Strife, division, offence. Because the subtlety is when you think you're right. And you know what? You might be right. But it doesn't make it right to allow strife in. There's a way of handling things, isn't there? I want to have a look at James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18, just on this this one of strife and envy. And it says this, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good, good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What is our protection against these works of darkness that we're told to cast off? It says the armour of light, put on Christ. I just want to uh, talk about this for a minute because often the first thing that comes, which is like a little flag when you, when you begin to understand this, is confusion. Do you have an area of your life that you are experiencing confusion in? Because if you do, that's the little flag. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion is there. God is not the author of confusion, we're told in the scriptures. 
He's the author of peace. So what is stealing your peace? What is making you confused? If you take it back a step, there's self-seeking or envy. Ah, oh, what is it that's really getting at you that you need to let go of? And then it tells us what wisdom from above is like. And really, this is a key for us as the people of God in how to deal with our relationships. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Wouldn't it be lovely if we were all able to resolve our conflicts in a spirit of gentleness? You know what happens though in conflict is escalation, hey? But you said this. No, I didn't. You said that. No, I didn't. Woo! We're up the tree. It's going high. But if we start with the wisdom of God, it's gentle. And then look at it, willing to yield. Do you absolutely have to be right? Even if you know you're right, do you have to wait till they admit that you were right? Because you might be waiting a while. <laughs> this is people we're dealing with, right? I must say in our marriage, I probably had to say to Jeremy, you were right more than he's had to say to me I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I'm usually quite convinced that I am right. <laughs> oh dear. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. So what if they've done the wrong thing? Are you a saint? Are you perfect? Have you never failed? Have you needed mercy at some point? Well, why don't we extend it to each other? Without partiality. Well, I'll be kind to them because they're kind to me, but hmm, I'm not giving kindness to them. They don't deserve it. Ooh, without partiality. That one's actually hard. And without hypocrisy. That's even harder. <laughs> because um, often I have found when I see a speck in someone else's eye, it's because... It's related to the same type of wood as the plank in my own eye. So, yes, probably a little chainsaw and a bit of me flew off into them. <laughs> so, without hypocrisy, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Such good... Uh, you know what? The Word of God, it says, is like a two-edged sword... And it cuts between the soul and the flesh and the spirit. And that's kind of what I feel like God's doing this morning. He's getting out the sword and he's just cutting the flesh and the soul and the spirit and saying, okay, let's cut off this part because it's for our own good. All right. So let's have a look at um, the book of Ephesians. I find this is amazing um, how much this theme comes through so many of the epistles. Ephesians, and we're in, I think it's chapter 3. I haven't written that there. No, 5 comes to mind. Let me double check. Ephesians. Verse 8. Yes, so it's Ephesians 5, sorry, verse 8. 
and we're going to go through to 16. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Mate, that one verse just hit me between the eyes. Because you know what we do as human nature is what's acceptable to men? What's acceptable to each other? What's going to make me acceptable? What's going to make me accepted? But what does he say? Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Now here we come. Here it is again, verse 14. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Remember, we just read what the wisdom of the Lord was in James. Redeeming the time. There's the time again. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, we have walk in wisdom, redeem the time. Because the days are evil. I want to just go straight into Colossians 4, verse 5 to 6. It's very similar, and then we're going to go through this a bit more. Walk in wisdom to those who are outside, redeeming the time. See it? It's again, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. There's a bit of a theme here. Walk circumspectly as wise, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time. There's a link between wisdom and redeeming the time. We're going to have a look at that. But firstly, I want to ask, how do we redeem time? Because that is a really weird combo of words, isn't it? Redeeming is something like you buy back. But I thought if you lost the time, you could never gain it back. So I had to go on a bit of a study with this one and said, hey, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, what do you mean? I went to um, BibleStudy.org and they had some really good stuff in there. So I've just done, I'm just going to quote from what I read there for a minute. So the Greek word here for redeeming in Ephesians and Colossians means to rescue something from loss or redeem it. It can also mean to pay a price to recover or reclaim something from another. Now that's still, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's what I thought, but I still don't get how that matches time. How do you redeem time? They've got here, for example, let us say you want to borrow money from a bank and you have to offer some land as collateral. 
meaning if you do not repay the bank loan, they can take legal possession of the property. But at the time that you repay the loan, you remove any claim from the lender that the lender has over the land and you redeem the property. The complete word study dictionary defines this word redeeming as by prudent and blameless conduct, gaining as much time and opportunity as possible in view of persecution and death. The word generally means to buy up, to buy all that is anywhere to be bought and to not allow the suitable moment to pass by unheeded, but to make it one's own. The thought comes to mind, seize the moment. Have you heard that expression, seize the moment? Paul admonishes us to redeem the time in our lives because the days are evil, meaning that humans in general are under the rule and deceptions of Satan the devil. He admonishes Christians to not idly sit by and let the darkness of this world dictate events, but rather to make a conscious choice to do good works and let the light of God shine through them. Even if evil personally comes upon us, we are commanded not to respond in kind, but instead overcome evil by doing what is right. So what is your time going into? This was a good one for me. Am I spending my time on worry, on stressful thoughts, on anxiety, fear, offence? I like what it said. You see, your loan has been repaid. It is time to redeem your thoughts from the creditor, the enemy. All claims on your thoughts and time have been legally removed. The enemy has no legal rights to possess your thoughts and time anymore. Now, I want to show a funny little video clip. The situation regarding this, did you manage to get it working? Okay. So the situation regarding this is not funny. But this lady became famous for a line that she said in an interview. So what happened was her apartment building one evening had caught on fire. She woke up to the smell of smoke and she literally just stumbled out of her building. Um, and, and escaped with just the clothes on her back. And, and so you'll see a little bit of, of the report. But um, they've taken one line that she said out there and they've made a little bit of a catchy tune to it. And you'll see why I'm, I'm showing this in a minute. So if we can put that video up, please. Well, I woke up to go give me a cold pop. And then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Then I ran out, I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got her. Yeah, I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. on YouTube for her. Ain't nobody got time for that. And uh, look, it came to me, actually, the Lord gets me in my really weird sense of humour. But yesterday as I was talking to the Lord and I had all this stuff in my heart and I'm just giving him all these cares. And he used that line for me because a lot of my thought life was being consumed by my cares. And he said to me, ain't nobody got time for that. 
<laughs> hey, I got a new one to use on the devil. The next time he tries to fill me full of fear, hey, I ain't got no time for that. I'm gonna redeem my time. You see, that's what it means. I don't owe you anything anymore, devil. My debt's been paid in full. You can't steal my time. I'm taking it back. I liked what it says. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna buy up all there is to be bought anywhere. That was one of the definitions of redeem. I'm going to go and make sure that every little bit, I'm going to seize every moment. Like when there was a rush on toilet paper. I mean, people were taking everything that there was to be taken because ain't nobody got time for that. So I'm going to take hold of my time and I am not going to waste it on offense. I ain't got time for that. I am not going to waste my time on worrying about things that may never happen. Ain't nobody got time for that. I am going to focus my time. And, I'll, you know, one day I was I was talking to the Lord about stuff. Oh, this and that and this and that. And I was going on. And he said to me, he said, now, you know, just whinging about it doesn't change anything. I said, I know, but I just, yeah. He said, but if you pray about it, it'll change everything. And we need to stop empowering the darkness by, by joining in. And we need to empower the light by seizing our time, literally redeeming our time and saying, what I have got time for is the moment I see a problem, I'm going to pray for that because then he's got it. And he will take care of it. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to stand fast and redeem my time and use my time to say, well, you've got that one. Now, what's the next opportunity, God? What are you doing? Where is our focus? Are we woke to the troubles of the world or are we awakened to the power of Christ? We must be awakened to the power of Christ in our life. And we have to redeem the time because the days are evil. You know, there should be a distinct difference between darkness and light. Right at the very beginning, it said God separated the darkness and the night and the day. And there should be a separation. Our lives should reflect him. And therefore, that alone means that we are redeeming the time. We are walking in wisdom, godly wisdom, because the days are evil. It is time to awake, it says, to be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, dressed in the armour of light, walking in godly wisdom and redeeming the time. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? like to pray with you. It, it wasn't a light and fluffy message this morning, but you know, it does us good, just like eating a big pile of vegetables. You're going to feel better later, trust me. <laughs> but you know what? Let's not make time for the rot of the enemy. Let's just make our time to revel in the wonder of our Saviour and to walk in his ways. So I'm going to pray for you this morning and, and just feel free to receive whatever of this is for you. But Father God, we just stand here before you as your children and we thank you that your word directs us and it guides us. 
It corrects us and it helps keep us from the traps of the enemy, Lord. And Lord, there, there is so many sneaky traps. So we just want to repent today of any of these areas, Lord, where, where we have been walking in darkness. Father, we want to take your word and be doers of it. And we want to cast aside the works of darkness today, Father, and put on the armour of light. May we be a good reflection of who you are, Father God. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we may redeem the time in these evil days, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And just while your head's about, I want to give an opportunity this morning for those who maybe haven't received Jesus Christ. You know, the scripture tells us that not a one of us is able to stand before God innocent and pure and perfect in our own efforts. We might think that we've done some good things and a lot of good things, but there's always things that we haven't done right that we like to overlook. But God is a holy and just God. He cannot overlook sin, but he has made a way for that sin to be forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So if you're in this room today and you want Jesus to cleanse you of all your sins, the things you've done wrong, the mistakes you've made, the times that you've missed it, blown it, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Nita, that's me, count me in. I want to be free of the darkness in my life. I want to come into the light. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you this morning. If you're watching online and you're like, yes, that's I'm, I'm identifying with what you're saying, then please, you can be included in this prayer. This is not a magic prayer, but it is a prayer of prayed from the heart that will result in eternal salvation. So I just want you to repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, I turn away from my sin. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Make me new. Accept me into your family. Make me a child of God and I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.